Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download their app. Be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Join me my guy here in studio, Will the Go Gottlieb, Will underscore Gottlieb. Big Dave rocking with us remote today. He is at BOW, B-A-W-L Sports. And our pal producer, Kevin Wells, on the controls today. What up, Kev? What's up, guys? Pleasure to be with you on a Monday. Likewise. Let's More kick hype. off the week. Yeah, let's do it. Hyper on Patrick Williams? Come on. Oh, I'm come excited. on, man. August 7th on. Bulls talk? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Uh, Big Dave, how you doing, I'm buddy? <laughs> this is why I'm upset when I'm not there. Because, it, you know, I want the real joy. You know, I want to have the true happiness about what it is, man. You know, I don't need nothing manufactured. I want it for real in there. That's why I miss not being there. Great job, Kevin. I appreciate Kevin, you know, trying to do it right up there, man. But now nah, they need they need a little dose. They need some vitamin D. Paul. <laughs> is, that, is that D for Dave? That is correct. <laughs> cool. Thought so. Just making sure. Um, speaking of fun things like vitamin D. And Monday Bulls talk on August 7th. A couple of updates and reminders for y'all out there in Bulls Nation. Uh, CHO Crosstown Series Takeover Part 2 is happening next Wednesday, August 16th. Still a few tickets available. Ticket to the Takeover gets you a ticket to the game. And whichever you want, whichever side of the Cub Sox rivalry you are on of our CHGO Crosstown shirt, north side or south side, plus also the pregame party that's going to be going on in Wrigleyville before that game. One more time, that's August 16th, a week from Wednesday. A few tickets still available under the events section of our All CHGO website. And along similar lines, the CHGO Kickoff Classic at Cog Hill. Friday, August 25th, a few slots remaining still for that 18-hole golf challenge hosted by CHGO, partnering with Pins and Aces. There's hole contests, there's giveaways, there's prizes, lunch, drinks, and a ceremony after the round. Plus, for all you CHGO diehards out there, you get a discount. You get a discount to the Crosstown Series takeover. You get a discount to the kickoff classic at Cog Hill. So sign up now to become a diehard if you aren't already to take advantage of both of these fun events we got coming up later on in August. Will Tim Anderson be playing in the Crosstown series? Anybody know? Uh, I, th- I think I saw earlier today he just got hand- hit with a six-game suspension. Six games. So Likely. depending if the Sox play six games between now and uh, a week from Wednesday, maybe he will I miss like it. he's got it. They can't. Let's he's take like a, a big look. fixture in the... He'll be eligible to play in that first game Tuesday, August 16th against the Cubs. Nice. There you go. Or August there you 15th. Go. Thank Excuse you, me. Kev. Six games for TA. Rip. How come I Jose mean, Ramirez only got three? He wasn't He wasn't the instigator, I think they Instigator? Said. Yeah. No. TA is the one who, like, threw down his glove or batting helmet, I can't remember, and, like, put his dukes up. I think that may have been the official instigation of the fight. He, he got the worst of it, but, yeah, yeah I think Kev's right. He's, he's the one who started the fight. Put your hands up, Timmy. As as our uh, as our Bulls slash Sox fan on the pod, Dave, how did you feel about it? Oh, he got slumped. He, he got put down. <laughs> um, Hit the it was button. vicious. It was ridiculous. He is now forever in the lore of Ventura, Prezinski, 
and now Anderson of people who have caught one and I'll never forget it. So it was sad because like you said, he started it. He threw down his glove and put up his Dukes and got caught with the haymaker and he got KO'd and went to sleep and then got the worst of the suspension because of that. So it's just, it's been bad for my squad over there. All right. It's been bad. And then these articles coming out and then Lance Lynn agreeing. It's been bad, bro. It's, it's been nothing nice. All my Cub fan friends are trying to get me on their bandwagon. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'm not coming, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, thank you very much, but it's been tough, man. And I'm, I'm just, I'm fed up with them, bro. Like seriously. I'm I mean, serious. if that wasn't enough, then all that stuff was coming out from that former relief pitcher of theirs, basically just trashing the organization. I saw that Jerry Reinsdorf was trending on Twitter today because, you know, the White Sox are the laughing stock of Major League Baseball right now. So that's fun. Yeah, I'm sure that brought you a lot of joy, Matt. Anytime I see that come up, I immediately think of you because I'm like, well, Matt's probably getting a lot of joy from this, uh, knowing that uh, he's over here destroying hopes and dreams and not just his. But over people across sports. He's I don't know what job. you're talking about. I, I get no sure joy know. out of Jerry Reinsdorf being raked publicly on the biggest sports social media platform <laughs> by Sox fans and just baseball fans in general or basketball fans yeah. in general. I get no so joy out of it whatsoever. How dare you even insinuate such a thing? You can do this by not and then not smile when you're doing it, Matt. That, that would go a long way. Okay, so that would go that would go over a little better if you weren't just chuckling and laughing the whole entire time. So. I wasn't um, actually trying to be convincing at all. Um, no, you weren't. Uh, Job well done. <laughs> fun stuff to get to on today's show. Uh, our friend Joe Callie of the Chicago Sun Times wrote an interesting column about Patrick Williams uh, and the potentially big season on deck for him. We will talk about that on the back end of today's show. But first, we wanted to get to something interesting that came to us via Hoops Hype over the weekend. They released their top 25 NBA shooting guards rankings and. The Bulls' starting shooting guard, Mr. Zach Levine, two-time All-Star, came in at number five on this list. Here's the blurb uh, from Hoops Hype on Levine uh, explaining his ranking, saying that he's a two-time All-Star but missed out on that distinction last season as his game seemed to stymie a bit. He lost a bit of that bounce and burst that made him so special in his prime. A lot of injuries have played a part in that, flashing that elite athleticism less commonly than he used to. Still, he did put up 25-4-4 season on nearly 49% shooting last year, so at worst, he's still playing at a borderline all-star level. It's just disappointing that we have the same questions today that we've always had regarding Levine. Is he an empty numbers player, or does he produce? Uh, does his production translate to elite team play? Uh, Will, I'll, I'll start with you. What did you think about that description of Zach Levine in these rankings? Fair or not quite fair? So I think in terms of where he's ranked, I think that's fine. Like if you look at the players, I'm trying to pull up the list here. But so ranked ahead of him well. are number four, Jalen Brown, three, Donovan Mitchell, two, Anthony Edwards, number one, Devin Booker. Those are the only four shooting guards that they have ranked ahead of Zach Levine coming into next season. And I think that's pretty much right. Um, you can maybe make an argument that Anthony Edwards isn't quite there yet, but like he kind of is, guys. Like he's been – him in the playoffs, he is just so good. Um, and I think he's clearly only getting better. Whereas, you know, Zach is kind of, I think he still has room to grow, but he is kind of who he is at this point in his career, you know, entering year 10, almost 30 years old. Um, but it is, I mean, they, he said it like it's frustrating and annoying. And like, I'm getting tired of just having these same questions um, or like the, the general NBA, people like talking about Zach Levine as if he's just empty calories. Like I think that this little paragraph did a good job of saying, yes, he had the injuries. Yes. He was not as good as he was in the first, in the second half of last year during the first half, but he's still a borderline all-star player and that everything he's doing is still really good. So it's not one of those situations where it's clearly like, you know, what we talked about with DeMar last week where people just like aren't watching. Mm -hmm. um, I think they, they kind of get where it is, but I do think he, has yet to break this threshold that would get him, you know, a little bit higher in that top five if his team would do some winning. And I'm not saying that that's on him, but he's obviously been part of bad teams. So overall, I think it's a fine ranking. I think they tried to capture the context and did a pretty decent job of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
despite everything, Zach's production is speaks for itself. He's really good, and you can't really deny that. Yeah, I agree with everything Will said. Um, just to add to that, um, last year, Zach was number four, ranked number four about hoop height as far as uh, shooting guards, so he fell to uh, number five, which isn't a huge fall, just dropping the slot. Uh, Anthony Edwards was six last year, so him he made a huge leap uh, coming up to where he is in, at number two. So, you. you know, big ups to him, and like you said, he's definitely deserving of it. Um, like you, It's why he's on Team USA right now and being considered that guy, so he – He's awesome, and he's just going to get better. It's, that's what's going to happen. The overall assessment of it, I think it's fair, of what you're saying about Zach. Um, it's hard to assess it because of the teams that he's been on, of the losing that he has been used to, and just how it's it's been constructed around him so far. It hasn't lent itself to you know him him being better or knowing if what he's doing is lending itself to being better for the team. The only touch of it that we got, I think, was when we got Patrick Beverly and went on that 14-9 and nine, uh, record because you saw the best Zach Levine. Zach Levine was absolutely amazing during that run, and he was a huge part of why they went on that 14-9 and nine record. Um, and, of course, that playing game against Toronto, he was awesome in, in that game as well. Uh, not so much awesome in that Miami game, but who the hell was? <laughs> Probably outside of Kobe White and Alex Caruso. Um, but yeah, overall though, I think it's very, very fair to, to rank Zach this way. Having him as a top five shooting guard is fair. That's exactly where he is. In my opinion, um, they want to give him more. You can tell they want to praise him more. They really do. They want to give Zach Levine more of this hype, more of this praise, but that comes with accolades that comes with winning. Those things have to happen for them to keep those things upon him, man. And that's got to change soon, hopefully, for him to start getting that kind of love. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, you're good. Um, Post-All-Star, when you mentioned the 14-9 finish, Zach played 22 out of those 23 games and averaged 27 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4.7 assists, shooting 53, 39.4, and 88% from the line. 64.5% um, true shooting, which is like – you know, what you get if you're DeAndre Jordan only catching lobs and uh, on 30% usage. So he was just dominating the ball, doing it incredibly efficiently. And like you said, Dave, the numbers were translating. The Bulls went 14 to 9. He had a plus 3.4, plus minus, uh, plus 7 net rating. I mean, that was basically peak Zach Levine for those final 20 some odd games. Yeah, which is why I, I did take a bit of an issue with this description of Zach, uh, like, they're implying that he's like past his prime somehow. I mean, he's 28 years old. Like that to me that he is in his prime, maybe not his athletic prime. As you see them talking about his elite athleticism and that being displayed less this past season as he was dealing with coming back from that offseason knee surgery. But I mean, may, maybe if you were just watching the first couple months of Zach's games of this past season, because to me, I, I thought that, Yes, he was not as explosive to the rim in, you know, November and December um, compared to usual, but he got some of that explosiveness back. And then, as you said, Will, with those post-All-Star game stats, was efficient, dominantly efficient, scoring from all over the floor. Um, I, I, like, just to, to insinuate that he's past his prime, just, like, Really? Are we, are we going to say that about Zach Levine, who's 28 years old? And if you take everything, you know, aside from the first, his first 15, 20 games of the season, absolutely is all-star numbers yet again to say he's past his prime. What, what are we calling his prime when he won two dunk contests when he was like, you know, 21, 22 years old? Come on. Exactly. I mean, that was his athletic prime. But, but not his basketball prime. Exactly. There's a, like... There, as you you're like hit your athletic prime in your late teens, early twenties, but you don't really like know anything about basketball at that point. You're playing on pure athleticism. That's where like this whole, you know, this why like the Derrick Rose injuries are so painful is because he was just playing on pure athleticism. He didn't actually like get to get to that level where he really understood the game. And so as your athleticism declines, your understanding of the game increases and at a certain point around 28, 29, you are at the peak of both of those things, right? You have that 
athleticism and that burst still there more than you do in your early 30s. And you have a better understanding of the game, what you need to do in order to be impactful. And I think that's kind of where we are with Zach. So I think this year Zach's in for another big season. Hopefully it looks a lot more like those final 23 games than the first 50, however many. But um, yeah, I mean, to, to say that Zach is, is done, obviously I think is wrong. But I think it just speaks to the fact that a lot of the opinions that especially like national analysts will have about players come from the first half of the season. They do a lot of their homework early. They're watching all these teams and then you get a sense of who they are and you understand, you know, what these teams are, unless you make any major trades at the deadline or you're, you know, getting ready for a stretch run or like really competing at a high level for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. People just stop following you as much. And I think that narrative carried over and people kind of missed the real story of Zach. And then obviously he had that poor game in the second play-in game against Miami, and that really drove home this narrative. But um, I think to exclude a lot of that is just missing a huge piece of context that I am glad they touched on. It's a, a written paragraph, right? Like, you can't include yeah. everything. So I'm glad that they kind of touched on, well, he's just, you know, you're just going to have to settle for borderline all-star numbers. I guess that's all you can get from Zach Levine. I am curious if either of you guys uh, have any – not maybe have an issue, but are surprised to see any of these guys ranked behind Zach Levine when it comes to the other members of the top 10 on this list. So Tyler Hero came in at number 10. Maybe there are some Heat fans who were interested in a Zach Levine trade who were trying to make the argument that Tyler Hero is just as good or almost as good as Zach Levine, uh, but they are all obviously clinically insane. Uh, DeJounte Murray came in at number nine. Beal at eight, the new Phoenix Sun. Desmond Bain at seven. A lot of people starting to throw a lot of praise and credit Desmond Bain's way, and I think mostly rightfully so, given some of his performances recently. And then Tyrese Maxey just behind Zach Levine at number six. Any of those other guys in the top ten you think have even a you know remote argument that they should be ahead of the Bulls' Zach Levine? A lot of people compare Zach Levine and Bradley Beal. Um as empty calorie, just offense-only kind of players. But, I mean, I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed these days to try and find someone still making the argument that Beal is as good or better than Zach Levine. Yeah, and then as soon as Beal gets traded to the Suns, all of a sudden that whole narrative is gone, and now they have a big three and Bradley <laughs> Beal. Like, it's just – it's all about the context. And I, I get it that Zach is, you know, considered one of the top – one or two best players on a team that has underachieved. But if you put him in a different context, I think people talk about him in a much different light. Um, I think he's clearly better than like this sort of young score first crop of guards like Anthony Simons and Jordan Poole and Maxi and Hero. Um, I think he has, you know, guys like Clay and CJ McCollum and probably Bradley Beal to a certain extent have kind of gotten a little bit too old to where they can be in the same category. So I, I do think Zach is approximately in the right spot. I'm pretty fascinated by, like like I said, that younger group of score-first guys, like the Maxi Hero, Poole. Um, I think Bain is clearly a step ahead of those guys. He's mm -hmm. probably, I think, to me, number six. Um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of interesting where Zach kind of straddles this, like, superstar tier of, you know, Booker and Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's honestly a little bit overrated, but Donovan Mitchell you could put in there. Anthony Edwards, I think, belongs in there, too. Mm -hmm. And then that younger score first crop. Um, and I think people just, like, don't really know what to do with him because he doesn't really fit into either category. I personally think he's closer to the top group than he is to the, you know, the lower end, like, younger player group. Um, but I also think that it would require, like Dave said, a, a lot of team success for him to really, truly get into that higher category. That's really what it all boils down to for me, Will, is, is just the winning. Personally, everybody I, that's behind Zach should be behind Zach. I don't have a problem with anybody who's behind him. As far as them overtaking him, uh, Bradley Bill, maybe if he has a good season, people will make that argument. I'm still taking Zach Levine, but I, I understand the argument that you can make for, for Bradley Bill. I get that. Guys like Desmond Bain, I look at because I think he could improve and become much, much better. That dude is is great on both sides of the ball. And when he had his opportunity to carry a team, he did a great job of that in that regular season because John Morant was out a lot. And they were dependent upon him. And he definitely, you know, came through for them uh, really nicely and in a nice way. 
Um, Tyrese Maxey, he's another guy who I think is will get that love and will get um, that shine because of winning. He's playing with the MVP. All eyes are going to be on that team. So you're going to look at him. Every time I see Zach Levine in one of these rankings and I read it, I'm like, yeah, you don't watch the Bulls. Like, and, and I'm not saying that as a detriment, you know, to them because you're a national, you know, publication. I get it. But the games that you can easily criticize Zach on and look at are national games. That Toronto game, you don't really remember because you remember DeMar DeRozan's daughter more than you remember anything else. And But the Miami game is the big game. That was the one because everybody's like, oh, whoever wins this goes to the playoffs. So watching this, we're looking at it and no dud. <laughs> you know, And that's what they can kind of base it off of right there. But no, Zach Levine is better than everybody behind him. The guys in front of him, I could debate it, but I can't debate it from a point of winning. And that's really what it is. And Anthony Edwards, you can throw in there. You could also throw him as far as winning because the age that he is, where he is with that team is exactly the trajectory you would probably be on for a guy that age. So Mm -hmm. it's okay, you know, for him right there. But Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you can't argue that. That's winning guys, especially the dude who dropped 71 on you. You know, like those are winning performers right there. You ain't got, you can't do anything with that. But Zach Levine is dope. And to borrow from Patrick Beverly, Zach Levine is cold. <laughs> That's it. Zach Levine is cold. <laughs> I mean, Donovan Mitchell's 71 really should have been 69 if the, uh, if the refs got it right. But whatever, yeah. I'm over it. Uh, nice. We got people chiming in in the comments. Uh, Demond, 1599, saying Ant uh, was awful in the playoffs and uh, is ranked too high. But kind of to your point just now, Dave, like young guys making their first few, you know, couple appearances in NBA playoff series – they tend to be awful because it's their first time there and they don't know how to handle the pressure, the bright lights, the big stage. Um, you know, who knows? We might get uh, much better performances from Anthony Edwards in the playoffs later in his career. Um, Colin saying Zach wasn't just borderline all-star last year. He was borderline all-NBA for the second half of the season. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, Javon also saying Zach needs to improve his IQ, knowing how to better attack the court. Golden Force saying Zach... Better than Brad Beal. We know this. Uh, Ani Ball saying, I don't see Zach getting better. He is what he is. 28, I, like, I can see why, you're, why you have that opinion. I think that you can continue to get better. DeMar DeRozan proved to us when he first arrived in Chicago. He proved to us when he went from Toronto to San Antonio. Doesn't matter what age you are, you can still improve upon your game. Brooke Lopez learning how to shoot threes in whatever year... 13, 14 of his NBA career. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can still improve upon yourself as a basketball player or as anything. I think that's a really good point because when we do these rankings, I think we also kind of fall in love with potential a lot of times. Like Maxi, like the same list of guards that I just mentioned, even Desmond Bain in his third season had a huge jump. That's great. Um, But just because Zach's been in the league for as long as he has doesn't mean to your point, Matt, that he's not still getting better. I think he still has room to grow. And I also think he's at a point now where his game isn't dependent on athleticism the way maybe it used to be before his ACL tear. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He's really good at getting to the rim. He's figured out ways to finish below the rim, um, and he can get free throws whenever he wants. Like He's got potential to play, I think, for a really long time and be an incredibly efficient scorer. I think now it's more about how do they – like how do he and Damar and Vooch and the rest of the players on the Bulls figure out a way to play together to where they can actually play for wins as opposed to just like playing to get in the play-in tournament? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and again, yeah. it's about winning. Like everything comes back to winning with, with Zach Levine. So once those numbers uh, start going up there, then you'll see an increase in, in the love uh, for Zach Levine. I mean, he's got the right machine behind him in clutch sports. So he's improving, you know what I'm saying, his – his face, like getting his face out there more. We're seeing that his brand is getting bigger for those kind of things. But to be, you know, put in that category of among the best, like top three kind of guards out there, that's just wins. Literally, the only thing separating him from that is wins. So he's got to get those wins and get those signature moments in the playoffs, and then he'll he'll definitely be on that road. Uh, all right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into this Patrick Williams stuff that came from J. 
Joe Callie's column in the Sun-Times the other day. While we are sharing these words from our friends and sponsors, do us a simple favor. It'll take you half a second. Hit that thumbs up button that you see on your screen if you're watching along on YouTube. And if you aren't already, go ahead and subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel so you can get alerts every time we go live. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Circle K. Check out your local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, and snack selection, plus that premium gasoline. Look out for freebies and giveaways down the road. I love going to my Circle K in my Chicago neighborhood. They're all over Chicago. You can find them when you need them. I also like hitting them up when I'm on my road trips. Uh, Drove up to Wisconsin to do some canoeing with some friends this past weekend. And you know, the first thing I did was hit my neighborhood Circle K on the way out of town to load up on all the delicious beverages that they have, plus the snacks, and I filled my gas tank all in one spot. Thank you to Circle K for sponsoring CHGO. Visit your nearest Circle K to pick up all your favorite finds for your summer road trips. No, I just got a uh, text from Baby Joey who told me he's at a Circle K right now. So he's, he's on a trip right now. He's at a Circle K. And he said he's Uh-oh. in the car with that. Red Bull said, oh, and, and Baby Joey. I feel like it's a dangerous combo. <laughs> yeah, he won't tell me if he's drinking Red Bull or not. He just says I'm at a Circle K. You know, If you, you, know, if you, you go to a Circle K, out. you're getting at least one Red Bull. I mean, I don't know how babies work, Matt. Like, <laughs> like maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. But I just know he texted me. He said, I'm at the Circle K with Zach. And I was like, Levine? And he said, Efron. And I was like, okay. That's how he rolled, man. That's baby Joey and how he rolls. And he said, also, Zach didn't understand. That's what he just told me. He said, Zach Efron didn't get it. He don't get it. He don't understand. Why? These glasses cost so much money. He don't understand. Baby Joey don't understand. And we don't understand. And you know who else didn't understand? Shady Rays didn't understand. Why these glasses got to cost so much money to get you some premium polarized shades put up on your face. So they set out to do something about it. Independent Sunglasses Company offers that world-class product just as good as any expensive pair you have ever worn. The durable frames, the extremely clear optics for your outdoor. And as that player pack is proven to you right now, your indoor adventiones. Not a word. Also, the Matt Peck lost and broken replacements plan. Watch oh. yourself, Kevin. Oh, mm. let's say that hat. It went in. Made it all the way Matt through Kevin's in. office doorway, Dave. <laughs> Wait, Will, can I get a confirmation on that? Building. Uh, okay. Sorry, Will, that's confirmation. Yeah, it? what did you say? Con- confirm. It is confirmed. It has been confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. It is confirmed. But let's say those glasses were in there, too. That means they would have broke, split apart, and then Matt would have been upset. But you remember, he could take those broken glasses, scoop them up, put them in an envelope, put them back in the mail, send it back to Shady Rays. They will send him back a brand new pair. No questions asked. Oh, so nice. Mind blown. But let's say you also saw some shades on Baby Joey, or you saw him on Will the Go Godly, and you said, I could look cool like that. One, you should never compare yourself to a baby or the goat. Don't do those things. But two, you probably won't look as right in that. So you send those back in, Shady Rays will send you a pair that fits you much, much better, any pair of your choice. As long as you send it in within 30 days, y'all, it's free. No risk when you shop, and that team always has your back. So, exclusively for the listeners out there, Shady Rays giving away their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the promo code CHGO for 50% off of two plus pairs of premium polarized shades. I apologize, Kevin. Try for yourself! The shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people because of Shady Rays were the Rays. What are you apologizing for? That was a great read. No, I was going to sure I, I was gonna yell. And I'm I, blowing and I out your eardrums. <laughs> He's like, what? I didn't hear you. <laughs> what? Um, all right, y'all. One of our dear friends on the Bulls beat Joe Cali, who loves to challenge Bulls players across the years to put up or shut up in his uh, in his way that only Cowley can, uh, throwing, the, throwing them grenades in his wonderful written words. He wrote something about Patrick Williams over the weekend that uh, we all thought was interesting uh, because it's basically asking a big picture question of everybody keeps talking about this potential that Pat has, this potential, this untapped potential. Where is this development? When are we going to see it? And kudos to Patrick Williams for playing all 82 games last season after missing all but 
15 uh, his second season because of that wrist injury. But the production still isn't quite there. Kudos to him for bringing up his three-point volume and keeping that percentage above 40%. We love to see that. But Bulls fans want, from their former number four overall pick, more. They want to see the star potential come to fruition. And Joe Callie was writing about that. Here is uh, what Callie mentioned in that column of his, in case you missed it. By all accounts, the number four overall pick from the 2020 draft is as prepared for the upcoming season as he ever has been. According to insiders, Williams not only has improved his game, but also his body and mindset. Uh, so obviously, just like we've seen Dalen Terry getting in work this offseason, Kobe White, we've seen videos of Patrick Williams playing in various scrimmages, pickup games here and there. Uh, and as much as it drives our guy, Will to go Gottlieb, crazy, and I think it drives Mark crazy <laughs> as well, because it's just NBA players playing in pickup games against not other NBA players, or at least not five-on-five of all NBA players. It has Bulls fans excited because it reminds them of the potential that, that we have seen, the glimpses we have seen of Patrick. What do you guys think about this? According to insiders, Pat is as prepared as he's ever been because we know about the whole Pat maybe not being ready for what it means to play at the NBA level, Will, with the, the infamous chicken parm story. Um, the mindset thing to me is, is the one word that jumps out. Because, yes, I can see with my, with my eyeballs that he looks like he slimmed down a bit. As, as Callie mentioned, that he's improved his body. He looks trim, but he looks, like, muscularly trim as opposed to maybe a little bit softer in his uh, first few NBA seasons. The mindset thing is what jumps out to me. Does anything jump out to you, Will? I mean, just this is the same thing as, like, doing one-on-one workouts like you're talking about. I mean, just it's the written form of that. This guy has an improved mindset. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Like, it's all the summer cliches and platitudes that we're used to hearing about players. And obviously, we want them to be true, but you just got to see it on the floor. Um, I think at this point, like, there's blame to go around from the top of the organization down to Patrick for why he hasn't developed. Um, I, I think that it starts with, like, ownership, right? They want to win. They want to be competitive. So what mandate do they put on AK? You got to make the play and you got to make the playoffs. You got to be competitive down the stretch. So what does that mean for Billy? He's got to play his best players. He's got to put his guys in the best position they can to succeed. And what does that mean? Giving DeMar and Zach the ball. And what does that do to Patrick? It puts him in the corner and waits. And, you know, he's got to wait for kickout passes. That's not conducive to Patrick's development. Um, but, I, but I think that's also on Patrick for not just like, you know, going out there and being good enough to where he warrants not standing in the corner, right? Like it's on him to not get buried in the lineup for him to be so good that you can't justify putting him in the corner. And he hasn't necessarily done that either. So like I said, it's not just on any one person. I think there's blame to go around. Um, but I do think long-term the best chance for the bulls to have like a higher ceiling is obviously for Patrick to really take a star jump. And whether we see that or not this year, who knows, but I do think it comes down to mindset. And I think it also is just like mostly this idea that Patrick has to be so good that he, that you can't just leave him in the corner. And I think for him to be that good, he needs to just go out and get the ball and do it himself sometimes because, you know, as much as Billy has kind of his hands tied with the way that this roster works and is constructed as far as the offense that he can run, the spacing that he lets or that guys like DeMar and Zach have to operate. Like he doesn't have a ton of options out there, but there's still blame on him too for not being able to to put Patrick in actions on the second side or, you know, with the second unit to where he can really get reps on the ball because I think it's going to be hard for him to really take a, a true step forward if he's just waiting for kickout passes. Um, so kind of a rambly answer, but I just, I think Patrick needs to go out there and go get it, but the Bulls need to put him in a better position. And so far, none of those things have been true. And I think if, if that continues, if those things don't get addressed, we're just going to see more of the same, regardless of how much weight Patrick put on or, you know, how much, what a percent of his body fat that he lost um, or how good he feels about his summer. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen if the environment isn't right. Yeah. Everything um, 
that Will just said right there boils back to the word that Matt saw and the word that I definitely left out to me was mindset. That's what it is. So when you're talking about, you know, you want to go see him get the ball and, you know, take over and do those things, that's a mindset. When you see him, you know, DeMar and Zach on the floor and he goes, stands in the corner and waits, that's a mindset. Everything is about his mindset. We don't care about, you know, the shape that he's in. We know he's built like a house. You know what I'm saying? We understand that this dude is a monster. We see it. We understand it and we like it. We're like, yeah, this dude is like that. So him giving me sleeker, all that, great. You know, I call it the magical weight gain. Every year there's somebody who has the magical weight gain, puts on 15 pounds of muscle, it just does all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, here's the magical weight gain again. But nothing improves on their game. So, yeah, you just look awesome. You look in shape, but you're still the same basketball player. You just look better being the same basketball player. For me, like I said, it's the mindset. That's the one thing we've always complained about with Patrick Williams. We've never complained about his his body, his, his body fat. We poke fun at him for his chicken parm and stuff like that, but we never talked about his shape. Everything was about his mindset him wanting to go do those things or him saying, screw that. I'm going to go do this like that. Those are mindset, him taking the actual open shot. So the fact that's the only thing that stood out to me in that was seeing a change in his mindset and understanding what he needs to be. Um, I, I think personally he's improved every single season uh, since he's been here. I've seen a, a growth in, in him every single season. Of course, it's not the growth that I think he's going to, um, that we all want him to be, I should say it like that. We want him to see, be that guy. You know, that's what we want from him. But personally, I think I've seen that growth from him every single year. I've seen him take a step. They aren't the steps that you want to see people take big old steps and gigantic steps to get to that point, especially him being the number four pick. I personally don't ma don't matter about the number four pick, but I get when people say that it's a thing. You know what I mean? That's the onus that you put on yourself. It, it makes sense. So I don't, you know, go against people who, who use that point right there because because it makes sense but his mindset has to change the one he has now is not conducive to him being a winning basketball player or a better basketball player it's just not it's for him being a simple regular basketball player we don't want simple and regular from Patrick Williams we want some greatness from Patrick Williams because of the magical weight gain that we see and and the skills that he has we know how good this dude is man he has to know how good he is, and he has to show that on the floor. I mean, along those similar lines uh, and talking about mindset, DeMond tends to agree with you, Dave, in the comments saying, in order for P. Will to be more productive, he has to be more selfish on a team with three dominant offensive players uh, whose games don't mesh. And that also kind of goes along with what you were saying a minute ago, Will, as far as who's getting touches on this team. Um Meanwhile, From the Rack disagrees with the mindset issue, saying it has nothing to do with mindset. It's roster construction. He's playing out of position. I feel like that point is a little too harped on by Bulls fans with the whole, like, is Pat a three or is he a four thing? I don't care. I think he could play either. He is playing either. He's playing either. He plays minutes at both positions. I think that's not the point. If you're talking about roster construction – I, I can agree with the, well, in order for him to get better and develop, roster construction needs to not have three guys who are all getting the bulk of shots and touches every single night. While, as you said, Will, Pat stands in the corner and maybe gets the ball his way and shoots a three if he's open. Um, and, and other people in the comments agree with that, saying uh, uh, Golden Force says we won't get more out of Pat until he gets the ball in his hands more often. He stepped up on defense, no doubt. Three ball dominant guys are going to make it harder for an offensive breakout. I, I think that's a, a significant part of this issue, but also the wanting to be selfish so that you can prove, hey, maybe we don't need all three of these guys in Chicago much longer if you give me my chance but where is that line between Pat saying if you give me my chance we got somebody else in the comments saying hey man he might be still just fighting Tory Craig for minutes and I don't think as much that, as Bulls fans might hope that Tory Craig is a helpful addition do we want Tory Craig to be solid on this team or do we want Patrick Williams to develop into what what we hoped he would be as a number four overall pick but that's what I'm talking about when I say, like, I mean, to not beat around the bush, like, 
their goal is not to develop Patrick Williams. It's to win now. And you can't do both of those things at the same time. You can develop him into a spot-up three-point shooter and a, you know, best wing defender, which is what they're trying to do. But that's the role he needs to play in order for them to win now. For him to, you know, develop into the role that we want to see him in, he needs to have the ball in his hands. And that means coming off the bench or it means moving one of the star players. But if that happens, then the team's going to get a lot worse. So you just you can't have it both ways. The Bulls can't have it both ways. They know this. That's why, as we've talked about, Billy has said multiple times that he's not going to just gift Patrick Williams a bunch of possessions playing pick and roll because that's not what's best for the team. That's not helping the team win right now. So I think it's this larger picture issue that we've dealt with, that we've struggled to come to terms with of like, what is the goal here? Are we playing to try to be a championship team? Are we playing for trying to develop our young players so that we can one day become a championship team? Because it's, if it's not one of those two, you end up in the middle. And that's exactly where the Bulls are. They're in the middle, and they can't really get anything done because they're trying to do too many different things at once. And I think that's, that's like a realization that the Warriors had to come to this past year with Jordan Poole. I think they're coming onto that decision with Jonathan Kaminga as well. Like, that's why they brought in Chris Paul, because you can't try to go for a championship and also like build for the future at the same time. You have to be super lucky. The young guys have to be really good and be able to contribute now. It's just a really difficult thing to do. Like, there's a reason why everybody compares you to the Kawhi Spurs, because that they're like the exception that makes the rule. Mm-hmm. They're the reason why people try to do that. But just because they did it doesn't mean it's replicable here. Um, I think that's certainly true when you're looking at a team that doesn't move the ball the way that the Spurs did. Um, so I think it's just going to be really difficult to do both of those things. I'd, I don't think that they necessarily want to do both of those things because I think being competitive is the trump card. Um, and until we see some changes with the roster, I just don't see any of that changing. But again, I think part of that's on Patrick too. Like, Somebody said it's not the mindset thing, it's the roster construction. It's both of those. It's all of the above. Mm-hmm. And that's why like this, this whole path towards the middle and re-signing Vooch and having to run into the same thing next summer with DeMar is so curious to me. Not to say it's like wrong or right. I mean, this is the decision that they've gone to, and we can agree or disagree, but it is having the effect on Patrick that is making it difficult for him to develop. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up that example of Kawhi and those Spurs developing young Kawhi into a star while still competing and even winning a championship with the tail end of the Duncan, uh, uh, Ginobili, Tony Parker years. Because Kylie brought back an old quote from DeMar uh, about that very player, Kawhi Leonard, uh, comparing to Pats. We will look at that more closely after we take this second break to wrap up today's show. Uh, while we're taking this second break to share words from our friends and sponsors, if you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up button. We love the thumbs up, folks. We appreciate them greatly. They help us out a lot. If you want CSGO to keep growing, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, today's show brought to you by our friends at Sunnyside, that beautiful cannabis dispensary. Your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of their high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer, Chicago. It's your one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, and they offer, get this, easy online ordering and in-store pickup. Plus, their great transparent loyalty program that they call Sunnyside Rewards for you frequent flyers out there. It's Illinois' favorite dispensary, from Wrigleyville to River North, uh, from South Beloit all the way down to Champaign, from the city to the suburbs. Find your nearest sunny side to elevate your summer. They've got flour for all you old school folks like me. They've got tinctures. They've got vapes and vape chargers and vape cartridges and all that jazz. They've got a great selection of different kinds of edibles, including my personal favorite, the Good News brand gummies. You knew I brought some of those on my canoe trip this weekend. Mmm, treated me just right. Now, through the rest of August, head to sunnyside.shop and use that promo code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer, not stackable with their other promotions. But it's not only for new customers. Anyone can use that promo code CHGO25. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 and over or an Illinois Med Card holder. Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. Mm. Try it for yourself. Try, for, try, try it for yourself. 
You will like it. Y'all should also try this beer. Mm. It's awesome. If you're 21 and over, kids, don't don't be underage and drinking. 21 and over only, and drink responsibly. Also, very good, Will. But yes, beer, Goose Island Beer Company. Dang it, that's who makes it. Hit me one more time, Kevin. Thank you very much, sir. The Goose Island Beer Company. You know, as we're getting closer to September, you know, we're starting to get into preseason football. That's when you start association, or at least me, that's what I start associating my Sundays with, is that football and that beer. And the beer I'm gonna have is that Goose Island beer, y'all. So many options. You got the Goose Island IPA, the six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest. It's a thing, look it up. The Tropical Beer Hub, or as I like to call it, the Herb Lawrence, the 9.9% dangerously easy to drink beer that is dry hop imperial ipa oh herb chug three of them things god bless that man 312 wheat ale that is the classic and of course the matin day favorite the full pocket pills now that full pocket pills y'all the everyday beer is what the brewers are drinking and what the people who drink what the brewers are drinking on a sunday are also drinking that's right put it together it makes sense so <laughs> grab yourself one of these awesome brew exclusive beers at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or one of those ultra fresh ones from the tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. It's the Goose Island Beer Company, y'all. Chicago's beer, the true taste of Chicago. Hit me one more time, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Uh, interesting point here in the comments from James Andy on the whole comparison to competing and developing simultaneously with the Spurs and, and the Bulls doing it less successfully, saying that they had Pop, a.k.a. Greg Popovich, uh, who rested his stars a lot, thus giving young Kawhi Leonard chances to be the man. Billy doesn't know how to create opportunities for his players, which is why he loves DeMar, who can create his own shots, and Zach. Well, I mean... They're the Spurs, we and they ahead, won a, a ton of games. Like, the Bulls are fighting for their lives to win 40. You can't yeah. – like, yeah. if the goal is to try to win, they need to do everything they can to try to win. If the goal is to develop, they have to do everything they can to try to develop. But the goal is to try to win, so that means they're going to give the ball to DeMar and Zach. Those guys are super durable to their credit. They're going to keep getting reps. Um, Billy is doing what his job is. And as a coach, like, you're not out here trying to, like – get Patrick Williams reps if you're trying to make the playoffs. Like, you're not trying to lose games. And if you're Zach Levine or DeMar, you're not, like, ready to sit in the corner so you can watch, like, 21-year-old Patrick Williams learn how to cook for himself. Um, I just think it's, like, it's a situation where you just can't have everything you want. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. And I think the longer the Bulls try to, like, thread the needle here, this is not a situation where they're, you know, the 55-60 win Spurs teams – where everything is about ball movement. Like, it's not just on Billy. It's like this whole situation is like the exact opposite of what it needs to be in order for Patrick to develop. Yeah, I don't look at it as bleak as that, but he's not wrong at all in <laughs> what he's saying. He's just not. Um, but Patrick Williams, for me, well, a lot of it, I'm, I look at Patrick on it. Even when you, we talk about player development, I mean, not player development, but roster construction, and the people that he has around him, I immediately just start thinking of other players. I'm like, well, yeah, that's not an ideal situation for everybody. Like, everybody doesn't walk into the perfect situation where they can just have time to develop and, you know, everybody's winning and everything's great, and then you just blossom into a flower in, in a year or two. Some people come in and their situation is trash, and they still got to do something through it. Some people come in and their situation is this team is winning now, and you're not going to have an opportunity to do anything. Like, that's just what it is. Like this situation that he's in right now, he has to find out exactly where he wants to be and fit in. My problem with it is he's had opportunity, 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 opportunity. He's had several opportunities to go out there and do something as far as giving him himself a chance. We've seen him not take those shots. We've seen him not make those moves to the bucket. We've seen him kick out, you know, a pass that ended up being a turnover. We've seen him step on the sideline. Like he's had these opportunities, bro. Like, you can't, you can't remove that from this. Yes, part of it is roster construction. Yes, I get that, and that is not incorrect at all. 
But for me, I'm all about controlling what you can control. Cause that's, that's stuff I would learn as a kid from my parents. When I would come in and I tell my, my mom and my dad that, oh man, you won't believe, you know, what went down in school, this, this, this happened. The first question they asked me was, what did you do? That was the first question every single time. It didn't matter what was going on around me. It didn't matter what was happening what, that I couldn't control. What they worried about is what I could control. What did you do? What did you handle? How did you, you know what I'm saying, make this situation better or worse? And then they move forward, you know what I'm saying, and, and telling me exactly where I needed to be and how it needed to be handled and stuff like that. So that's what I'm on right here with Patrick Williams, bro. I get your situation and what's around you right now, but what are you doing? What can you control to get better? So, and again, this is coming from somebody who really believes in Patrick Williams that he's going to be that kind of guy. But for me right now, it's what are you controlling and how can you get better, sir? That's what you can control. So you got to control that. I think that's a really good point, Dave, because we've seen it happen. Like Mark makes to likes to make the point about why can't Patrick be like Javante or Derek Jones and just be like a transition animal, a backdoor cutter, dunker, and, you know, like confidently shoot threes when he's open. I think he needs to do that. But you've also seen guys like Kobe develop, I think, really well this year and figure out a way to complement those guys. We talked last week mm-hmm. about the Bulls' offensive rating with Kobe, Vooch, Zach, and DeMar all on the court together. It's insanely good, 99th mm-hmm. percentile. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kobe, like, credit to him, he's figured out a way to not only just, like, fit in around those guys, but to take advantage of it and to be his own, like, useful contributor in those situations. I think Patrick basically just had this year, like, I think the one – I. I think it's kind of like a lame excuse to say Patrick missed his whole second season because he did play games. He was part of the NBA program. It's not like he just like left for college for the year and didn't come back. Like he was around, but I do think that there's a learning curve that goes along with playing next to Zach DeMar and Vooch. And I think he spent this past year maybe too slowly, but he did spend his last year acclimating to that. And I think he needs to not just like, you remember that that whole like Kevin Love needs to not like fit fit out or whatever yeah. around Kyrie and LeBron yeah, yeah. and like the 2016 Cavs years like it's kind of like that with Patrick he needs to like be his own person in these lineups and like contribute the way that he can and not just like wait for everybody else to tell him what to do so again I think it's on everybody I do think Patrick needs to be more active in his participation but I also think that the Bulls need to put him to, to help him feel more comfortable in doing that. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up that example of fitting out versus fitting in. Um, and, and the whole example of Kobe White finding his role with this more veteran uh, group of teammates he's playing with. Eco being in the comments saying, how can Tyrese Maxey thrive with the veteran Sixers? And yet somehow P-Will is still learning how to fit in. That's another solid example of the same thing and a fair point. And a fair question. Uh, however, Ecobean, if you recommend one more time in the comments that the Bulls trade to get Wendell Carter Jr. back in a Bulls uniform, <laughs> I will ask for you to leave. Uh, you know we love you. Um, Doesn't he so, know, like, James, I mean, real quick, though, you, can we not leave out that James Harden sits out a lot of them games in the main two games, and Tyrese Maxey has plenty of opportunity to get out there and do it, along with Joel Embiid? who don't be playing all them games either. Like, he gets plenty of opportunity to get out there and do it. DeMar DeRozan, no games, bro, at all. That's not what he do. Zach Levine, he gets injured and stuff, but Zach drags himself out there to still play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he, that's the opportunity that Tyrese Maxey can get. But Vooch played 82 this past <laughs> season. DeMar and Zach each played, what, like 75 around there? Zach played 77? 77 for DeMar. Yeah. 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 So, fair point. Um, speaking of DeMar, uh, Kevin, if you will, throw up that quote that DeMar said about Patrick. So, this was actually back during the season. This was back in March of this year. But he brought it back for this column that he just wrote about Patrick over the weekend, saying, DeMar said this, in case you forgot, Patrick has so many traits, and it may take one at a time for it to come together. But when it comes together, I tell him all the time, he won't lose it. He reminds me of Kawhi. I know it's been thrown out there. But his build, the way he moves, everything. Kawhi is one of the greatest players to play this game, and that's high praise right there. That's what I see Pat becoming. The, you know, the, the claw versus the paw, whatever, whatever, whatever. 
That player comp has been thrown around a lot since Patrick came into the NBA. I think in a lot of ways, it's it was an irresponsible and unfair comparison to make and to throw on Patrick's shoulders right out of the gate, like many player comps are when you're talking about draft prospects. But DeMar's been around a lot of NBA players and a lot of NBA talent in his decade-plus NBA career. If he says that, then there has to be some level of truth to the number of comparable traits he uses the word traits that he has seen in Kawhi Leonard, a dominant NBA talent, and what he has seen in a young Patrick Williams. The bringing them one along one thing at a time, one trait at a time, and then when it comes together, I thought was interesting, and I had forgotten that DeMar described it that way. But I think that, again, falls on Bulls fans' frustrations of, well, when, when does the altogether part happen? What, when does that happen? I don't know. That's the question. I mean, when, like, at, when, at what point is it too late, too? I think that's another issue is, like, you know, you have to constantly be adjusting your priors and thinking about what's realistic and not just, like, going back to this idea of what Dave's saying, that, like, you can't continue to put stock in the fourth pick if that isn't returning. Um, people say this about, like, Isaac Okoro all the time. He was the fifth pick. Why don't people mm -hmm. talk about that? Talk about him the same way they talk about Patrick. And I think Pat does have similar physical attributes to, to Kawhi. I think their body types are similar. You look at like the form on the mid range, like they look similar, but that doesn't mean that Patrick's going to turn into Kawhi. Um, I agree that it's just kind of an unfair burden to put on him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just. I just want to see what he can do when he has like the freedom to really do something. And that's why last year I thought it would have been smart to bring him off the bench um, and just like open up the, the gates a little bit and let him play with a little bit more freedom. I think that would be helpful. And I wonder if they'll look to do the same this year. You know, Patrick Williams is probably the first young player probably and maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but he's like the first young player I remember since Derrick Rose that other NBA players were actually raving about. Like, I remember when LeBron James played uh, the Bulls and he was just absolutely raving about it. He called, I mean, he called him an exceptional talent is what he talked. He's the Bulls got one right there. I remember him talking about him a lot. I remember Kevin Durant talking about him. I remember Kawhi Leonard himself uh, talking about him. So to hear DeMar say this stuff just for me just puts – that more in that kind of category right there. It's great to hear. I love hearing this stuff about Patrick Williams. But again, it's not on me or Will or Matt to about what we feel. It's about what Patrick feels about it. How does he, you know what I'm saying, adapt? Does he believe this? You know what I'm saying? All, all things he says, says that it is. But as Matt likes when I say, saying ain't like doing. You know what I'm saying? You got to get out there and, and you got to go do it, man. So we understand it. He can say these things, but we got to go see it uh, happen on the floor. I think we will. I don't know when. I can't sit there and put a win on it. And I think that's the frustrating part uh, that Will is talking about. And a lot of Bulls fans are, are having right now is there's not a win on this. And if we could see more glimpses of it, um, I think I would be ecstatic with that. I want to see an uptick in a lot of things, but the main thing I want to see an uptick in for Patrick Williams is the mindset is I want him to not think. I don't want to see him thinking promise you bulls. Just pay me to come out there for them home games. And I promise you, I will sit behind him on the bench and I will yell at this dude all game long. I promise you it'll be all positive, but it will be loud. I promise you that all game long. I will do this to him and make sure he's on it, man. But <laughs> All jokes aside, man, like I think Patrick Williams is in a really interesting situation uh, this season because, as Will said, like I, you can see how he could actually help your team coming off the bench. But at the same time, you're like, how do you take that kind of dude after starting lineup? You know what I'm saying? Like it's real interesting. And Pat has the pen. Like he can write his own story this season. And I'm interested to see what he writes. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, our guy throwing hat in the comments, last one. 
uh, making another interesting point, saying Kawhi was first called board man. Pat needs to rebound, and the world would open up for him. Um, I mean, hey, maybe that's part of the mindset thing, Dave, is, like, don't think, just go. I think what would absolutely qualify underneath the headline of don't think, just go is seeing Pat crash the boards a lot more aggressively than we have seen him do on a consistent basis through his first three NBA seasons. Uh, that is it for today. We are out of time. One more reminder. Thank you. We had 128 plus uh, watching on a Monday in August for a Bulls show. Y'all are great out there in Bulls Nation. Maybe a little crazy, but that's okay. We are too. No judging. No that. judging either direction. Uh, but only 30-some likes. So get those likes up before you head out of here. We really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And uh, reminders... Get your tickets that are still available, but going quickly for not only the CHGO Crosstown Series Takeover Part 2 at Wrigley Field next Wednesday, August 16th, but also Friday, August 25th, the CHGO Kickoff Classic at Cog Hill for all you golfers out there. Go to allchgo.com, find that events subheading on our website, and get your tickets for both events later in the month of August. We are back tomorrow, same time, same place, 4 p.m. Chicago time, in studio with more Bulls talk for you. Until then, you can follow Will on Twitter at Will underscore Godleap. He's the GOAT. Big Dave is at BOW, B-A-W-L Sports. I'm Bulls underscore Peck. We are CHGO underscore Bulls. Shout out and appreciation to our guy Kevin Wells on the controls today. Always a pleasure, Kev. Yeah, it was great being with you guys. Appreciate y'all out there at Bulls Nation. Get yourself some Shady Rays. Until tomorrow, thanks for watching. See you, Red. Be good.